are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Chai FM on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Ki Savoy, the penultimate Shabbos of this year, Tough Shin Pei Beis, as we are getting to high gear of preparing ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, Habolein Olatayva, in just about 10 days from now, we're going to be standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, in judgment. And we need to get ready not only to cook all the food and make sure that the meals are beautiful and, and sumptuous and all that kind of stuff, which is very, very important, but to get our minds and our souls and, 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 and our thinking into line with with, with Yiddishkeit, with, 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 uh, with Rosh Hashanah, with what we need to be really concentrating on and focusing on as you prepare for such a special time in our lives. Thank you all for joining us. It's so wonderful to have our radio family together again another week. Baruch Hashem, we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the opportunity for all of us to be here, for all of us to be healthy, to have made it through another week to another Arab Shabbos as we anticipate and look forward and, and uh, get ready for another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. So in this week's Pasha, we have, unfortunately, the curses. We have <clears throat> God telling us that if we don't behave properly, then all sorts of terrible things will happen. And we're told that the reason for all these things happening is tachas asher because you didn't serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, your gods, Simcha over Tuvlevov amid gladness and goodness of, of heart. Kind of very simply put, this Pasuk is, is admonishing us for a lack of joy in performing Hakshem's mitzvahs. We perform mitzvahs, but without interest, excitement, passion, and most of all, joy. Is this a valid reason to become the victim of all of these terrible, frightening curses? One would think that observance should be the, the deciding factor. Yet, we see that indifferent observance is almost worse than non-observance. <clears throat> Over the years, right, we, we've all had the opportunity to, to offer all kinds of personal uh, reasons to try to explain the dynamics of joy and its inherent significance in determining the validity and worthiness of, of one's mitzvah observance. So perhaps we can take a, a different approach to suggest that the joy in the Pasuk is about our external demeanor and outlook on life in the present, our perspective on the past, all its trials and tribulations, right? And perhaps to take the liberty of, of quoting from, from a, an address that the Boston Rebbe delivered at an Agudis Yisrael convention. It says, as a nation, mourning has just not been our expertise. The Jewish nation, as far back 
as our earliest moments has acted passively at best in expressing grief. We have understood that it is possible and self-defeating to mourn too much. While grief is important and expressing our emotions is cathartic, overexpression of grief getting carried away is actually self-defeating. At the very outset of our history, so our our Avos, Avraham Avinu, was confronted with the sudden and tragic loss of his life partner, Sarimenu. One of the letters of the words of Vilivkaisa, and he came to cry for her, is written, right, smaller, as if to imply that Avram's weeping was limited. His recognition and acknowledgement of Sarah's greatness, however, did not coincide with his expression over, over his loss. Avram taught us that while sadly we have much for which to mourn, we take great care to set clear parameters for expressing our mourning. The greatest tragedy since the Churban destruction of the Beis HaMikdash was, of course, Churban Europa, the European Holocaust, which decimated European Jewry. Our response to the Holocaust should model the manner of mourning that we have adopted concerning the Churban Beis, Beis HaMikdash. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is soul to soul. We have lots more to talk about. We're going to be talking about Rosh Hashanah in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is soul to soul. Back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Kisavai, the penultimate Shabbos of this year. Tough Shin Pei Beis. And we are working our way through the month of Elul. This is really the fourth Shabbos of Chodesh Elul. This Shabbos will in fact be the 21st day of the month of, of Elul. It's moving along quickly. So let's talk about, maybe use this Pasha as a bit of a springboard to talk about Chodesh Elul and <clears throat> what we can perhaps learn and maybe we're going to use the the tefillin as as an example and and uh, and uh, a way of inspiring us to perhaps take the advantage of these days and these weeks and and change something, change something important, change something intrinsic in the way in the way we we think. You know, the <clears throat> Torah tells us in the in the brachas. You know, we have a long, long, long list, the litany of curses, but before that comes a beautiful, beautiful brachas. And in there the Torah says, that all the people of the earth will see that the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is proclaimed over you, and they'll be in awe of, of you. And the Gemara says, what is this talking about? What is it that creates this this awe? 
So Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Loza, the great Rabbi Loza says, Elu Tfilin Shabarosh. These are the Tfilin worn on the heads. How did Rabbi Loza deduce that this Pasuk is speaking about the mitzvah of Tfilin Shabarosh? So we find a nice little explanation in the commentary of the Balaturim. He writes that the Tfilin Shabarosh are alluded to in the Pasuk as follows. The first letters of Shem Hashem Nikra, Shin, Yud, Nun, stands for Shin, which of course refers to the Shin, in fact, the, the double Shin that we find on the Tzvillin Shorosh, right? And in fact, the Gemara tells us that the letter Shin of the Tzvillin, of the Shorosh, is absolutely mandatory by halacha given to Moshe Rabbeinu and Arsinai. In other words, the leather which houses the, the Tfilin Sharosh is created on each side to form a letter Shin. In a similar vein, Rabbeinu Bachya wrote, here is a reference to the letter Shin that is a halachic transmitted to Moshe Rabbeinu at Asinai. It's this, it's as if the Pasuk says, all the people of the earth will see that the shin is upon you and they will be in awe of you. So clearly, several points need some clarification. Number one, what is so unique about the letter shin embossed on the Tefillin Shorosh that it instills fear and awe in the minds of all of the world, all the nations. Number two, the Pasuk says explicitly that their fear and awe are due to the name that rests upon us. Where do we find that the name is alluded to more by the Tfilin Shorosh than, let's say, by the Tfilin Shoyat? And number three, since the Pasuk draws a connection between the name yud Vavke and the letter Shin. So how are we going to try to explain that, that connection? So when we look at the letter Shin on the Tfilin Shorosh, so Taisvis there in, in Menachas Lamed Hay writes in the name of the Shimusha Rabbah, that the shin on the right side of the housing is the normal shin with three heads, while the shin on the left side of the housing, we know, is formed with four heads. And this uh, is based on the, the Shulchan Aruch that says in Simon uh, Lamed Beis that that's the way it has to, it has to be. So let's begin by presenting a beautiful insight from the Chasm Seifer. We know the Gemara says in Menachus that when a person puts on the tefillin, so he first put on the shayat, and then he puts on the shalosh, the head tefillin. Why? Because it's written, bind them as a sign upon your arm. 
And only then, and let them be a tartuffus, let them be filling between your eyes. So listen to what, for what he says. He says, firstly, we, we put the tefillin shayad opposite the heart. And we say the bracha, right? Lehaniach tefillin. To place the, the tefillin. Then we put on the sharosh and say the bracha al mitzvah tefillin. That's, that's the meaning of, of Ashkenazim. Because it constitutes the completion of the mitzvah. Now, let's give a mashli, says. Says the people of a certain province wished to appoint a king over themselves. The king said to them, first, imprison such and such a person, put him in chains, because he's the one who opposes the kingship. Then, once you've gotten him out of the way, then you can empower me to be your king. So here too, the Rishayim are ruled, of course, as we know, by their hearts, by their desires. They are controlled by their evil inclination. The hearts of the Tzadikim are ruled by their intellect and by their Nishamas. Therefore, before putting on the Tzvillin as a crown over the brain to sanctify it as Kodesh Kedoshim, as the Holy of Holies, Right? Therefore, it's imperative to imprison the one challenging the kingship. Put him in chains, namely the heart. Therefore, one first has to put the tefillin opposite one's heart so that it will be sort of tied up and shackled with the chains of Kedusha. And only then, says the Chassam Seifer, is it appropriate to complete the mitzvah by putting on the shorosh on top of, on top of the head. So this is a beautiful, beautiful insight by, let's, let's, uh, let's perhaps uh, broaden it a little bit by bringing a, a medrash based on a, a posuk in, in Kohelis, where the, where it says, the heart of a wise man, right? The heart of a wise person is on his right. While the heart of a fool is on his left. Says the Medrash, the heart of a wise man is to his right, refers to the Yetzat the good inclination, which has been placed on the right side, while the heart of a fool is on the left, refers to the Yetzirah, which has been placed on the left. This is the source for what the Balatanya explains at length in, in Likute Amorim Peretes, that the Yetzirah is located in the right cavity of the heart, while the Yetzirah is located in the left cavity of the heart. And it's incumbent upon us to fortify the Yetzirah on the right side in order to overcome the Yetzirah on the left. This, in fact, is, is the meaning of what the Gemara says in Brachas, Yehavtos Hashem Lakecha, must love Hashem Bechol Levavcha, with both of your hearts, which we, 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 we say, it means your two Yetzirah, the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah.
for as we've just learned, both yetzers are located in the cavities of of the heart. So that then is what the Chasm Sefer is teaching us. First, it is necessary to put on the Tvil Shayar on the left arm, near the left side of the heart, to constrain the Yetzirah located in the left cavity, with, with the Kedusha of the Tzilin, for it always attempts to fill our hearts with all kinds of improper desires, and it's completely opposed to, to the, the uh, rulership of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Once we've accomplished this feat, then we put on the Tzilin Sharosh near the brain to accept the sovereignty of, of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. We'll be back with much more and we'll develop this point and bring it home. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Ki Savai, the second to the last Shabbos of this year, Tavshin Pei Beis. We are talking about the connection between the Pashas Kisavoy and Chodesh Ella, and we're doing it through the means of talking about the Tefillin. And we've said, we explained now, <coughs> in the name of the Chasm Cipher, that we first put on the Tefillin Shalyad, because the Tefillin Shalyad is next to the heart. The heart is the seat of the Yetzirah on the left side, and only then can we put on the Shalrosh on our brain and subjugate our thinking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, only once we've gotten, so to speak, the Yetzirah out of the out of the uh, the, the way, and that perhaps explains uh, uh, our our uh, uh, that when we put the Tefillin Shayat on, we put it on with our right hand, and it was opposite the right side of the heart, which we said is the side of the Yetzirah. In other words, we're performing a kind of a symbolic act, demonstrating that the subjugation of the left-sided Yetzirah by the hand on the right-sided Yetzirah type, that prevents the Yetzirah from entrapping us and, and trying to uh, kind of catch us in this treacherous sort of net. And that's also maybe the reason for our, our minig that we not only tighten the bias of the shalyad, we then wrap it around our arm several times before we move on to the shell, to the shalroth, rosh. And this perhaps uh, coincides with the teaching of the Gemara and Sukkah that we says, Shiva Shemais Yeshtol Yetzara. The Yetzara has seven different appellations. And the Masha explains that these refer to seven distinct aspects or forces of the Yetzara. Therefore, when we put the Tvilin Shalyad opposite the left side of the heart, right, to, to kind of shackle and constrain the Yetzara, we wrap the straps of Kedusha around the arm seven times to constrain the Yetzara's forces of of, of, of so, so let's perhaps carry on and take the Chasm Seifer and perhaps even, even, even embellish it a little bit. And we're going to try to explain, as we said, the relationship between the Tefillin Shalgad and the Tefillin Sharosh, which we put 
uh, on immediately one after another. Based on a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, of course, we know his, uh, his birthday was, was this week. And he discusses a Gemara in Shabbos, where the Gemara says that uh, when the, the malacha of, of slaughtering was performed during the construction of, of the Mishkan, Right and and uh, what 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 is the the sort of the nature of that avera? So Rav says, when a person does shchit, when a person slaughters, he is liable for dying. Not not dying as in killing, but dying as in changing color. Taisvis interpret the the the, uh, the slaughterer as a reference to the. Yetzer Hara, that tries to harass all, all of, all of, of mankind. Says, Asheichet Almakoi. Now it's, says the Vashemtev, the slaughterer at large in the world is none other than the Yetzer He slaughters mankind by trying to entice them and encouraging them to do all kinds of, of averis. So the Gemara in, in Sukkah tells us that lasted lovey when the future time comes, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to hold the Eight Sahara accountable and slaughter it. So now we can interpret the Gemara as follows: Why is the Eight Sahara, the Sheikhet of the world, guilty and deserving of the death penalty, lasted lovey? After all, wasn't it created for this purpose? To trap people and persuade them to do Averis. To which Rav answers, no. Mishum Tsevea. And, and they make a play on the word Tsevea. In other words, rather than translating it as dying, it's translated as being deceitful and portraying, kind of coloring something as something else. In other words, it colors the truth. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Yetzirah initially with a specific purpose. Its job was to tempt mankind openly to commit Averis, not to conceal its intent or employ all kinds of deceptive tactics. It is easier for a person to arm himself and combat a Yetzirah whose intent is, is overt. A deceitful Yetzirah, however, is much more dangerous and difficult to combat. It knows that if it approaches a Jew openly to tempt him to commit a, a serious Avera, then the Jew will, will, will ward it off and then he was not gonna, he's not gonna go down that road. He'll, he'll, dis, he'll dismiss him with disdain. Therefore, it schemes to trap the Jew in its net by disguising the Avera as a mitzvah. It employs all sorts of persuasive arguments to convince a person that he is doing the right thing, that he is actually performing a mitzvah and not an Avera, right? Extra caution is required to protect oneself from this type 
of Yetzirah, since a person might perceive it to be a Yetzirah, who's trying to help him better serve Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the Yetzirah to function in such a way that man could exercise his Bechira, his freedom of choice. However, we can describe this Yetzirah as, as almost like a, a rogue agent. He betrays HaKadosh Baruch Hu and chooses to operate in a manner that it was not authorized to operate. Right? It deceives mankind by portraying an Avera as a mitzvah. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has declared that in the future time it's going to be liable to put to death and Hashem is going to slaughter it as punishment for its treachery. Right? In the words of Rav above, it deserves to die Mishum Tzaveya because it's being uh, deceitful. Now, the Chasam Seifel we said, said that we put on the Tfilin Shalyad on the left arm, which is right near the left cavity of the heart to control and subjugate that overt Yetzirah. Nevertheless, there's still a legitimate concern regarding the other type of Yetzirah, the one that fools us into believing that an Avera is actually a mitzvah. It is so convincing that we may even perceive it to be a Yetzirah trying to assist us to perform mitzvahs. Therefore, after negating the influence of the overt Yetzirah with the Tfilm Shalyad, we now ascend to the next level of Kedusha and put on the Tfilin Shorosh, related to the brain, to negate the influence of the deceitful, more dangerous Yetzirah. In the merit of the, of the Kedusha, of the names of Hashem in the Tfilin Shorosh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens the eyes of, of our minds and our intellect to discern who is the true Yetzer HaTayv? Whose voice we really should listen to and who is, in fact, the, the imposter? This explains so beautifully the rationale for the halacha that was given by Mo, to, to Moshe Rabbeinu at Asinai to emboss on the, on the housing of the Tfilin Shorosh two types of shin. Right? For the gematria of the letter Shin, which is 300, is equivalent to the same gematria as the word Yetzer, also 300. Furthermore, the Shin on the right side of the Tzun alludes to the Yetzer Taif that resides in the right cavity of the heart, while the Shin on the left side alludes to the Yetzer Horah that resides on the left cavity of the heart. And this indeed is the auspicious and, and beautiful function of the Tfilin Shorosh. It provides a person the intelligence and the common sense to recognize and discern between the right-sided Yetzirah Toiv and the left-sided Yetzirah Yetzirah. So based on what we've learned, 
So we can now explain, why does the shin on the right side, why is that shaped like a normal shin with three heads, while the shin on the left side is unusual, having four heads? So perhaps we can say that the shin with four heads is a normal shin with, if you look at the way the letter is constructed, it's a shin with an extra vav on it. Now we know the letter vav at the beginning of a word is always a connector. Right? As the Gemara says in Pesachim, vav moisif al inyan The letter vav always adds to the previous subject. In other words, a vav is added to the shin on the left side of the shorosh, symbolizing the yetzorah to allude to the fact that it attempts to provide Jews with additional mitzvahs by disguising Averis as, in fact, a mitzvah. So, perhaps now, let's look at the Pasuk. It says, The Yoru kol ame aretz, all the people of the earth will see the name of Hashem is proclaimed on them, the Yorumimeka, and they will be in awe of, of you. And we brought the, the Gemara, which said this is referring to the Tfilin Shorosh. Now, the Arve Nachal in, in last week's Pasha finds a contradiction in the Gemara. He asks, Initially, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Yisrael, it's a Gemara in Kedushin, that my son, I've created the Yetzer Hara, and I've created Torah as its antidote. If you engage in Limunat Torah and Torah study, then you will not be delivered into his hands. For the on, however, the Gemara, the Gemara says that the Yetzirah is so overwhelming every single day, and it's always attempting to kill him. And if it wasn't for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who helps him, he would be unable to withstand it. So according to the first statement, we possess the ability to overcome the Yetzirah on our own through Torah study. According to the second statement, it's impossible for us to overcome the Yetzirah without Hashem's assistance. So perhaps we can answer this apparent contradiction right, based on what we just learned. The first statement made by HaKadosh Baruch Hu Tisrael, right, my son, I've given you the Torah as the antidote to the Yetzirah. That refers to the Yetzirah as it was originally created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, authorized only to tempt man openly to commit an Avera without disguising it as a mitzvah. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifies that the, that, that the Yetzirah that I have created before it went sort of rogue and, and, and deviated from its role. For that Yetzirah, I've created Taylor as an antidote. In other words, you have been given the means to overcome that Yetzirah. The Gemara's second statement 
On the other hand, man's Yetzirah overwhelms him every day and attempts to kill him. And if it wasn't for HaKadosh Baruch Hu helping him, he would never be able to withstand it. That refers to the other Yetzirah that portrays an Avera as a mitzvah. Torah study alone does not suffice to combat this Yetzirah because it blinds a person to the truth kind of duping him into believing erroneously that he is serving Hashem by performing his mitzvahs as prescribed by the Torah. Therefore, in addition to studying Torah, we require special assistance from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to withstand its, its deceit. So therefore, now, let's look at the Pasuk. When the Pasuk says, And the Gemara's uh, clarification that this is referring to Rabbi Loza says, the So as you have explained, the reason for putting on the Tfilin Shorosh after the Tfilin Shoyar is to also subjugate the Yetzirah that deceptively portrays itself that as an Avera as, as a mitzvah. And that can only be accomplished with the assistance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we are taught in the second Gemara. If it wasn't for HaKadosh Baruch Hu who helps you, we could never overcome it. So therefore, when we put on the Tzvillin Shorosh, it becomes evident that the name of Hashem is proclaimed upon you, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is assisting us to also overcome and negate the second type of, of, of Yetzirah. If we kind of follow this line of reasoning, so now we can explain, I think quite convincingly, how uh, Yisrael get this siyat this divine assistance to overcome the second type of Yetzirah who portrays an Avera as a mitzvah by putting on the Tzvil and Shorosh. And we could perhaps introduce what the Rokeach writes in his Sefer Sodei Rezaia and he makes a statement that the Tzvil and Shorosh represents Yaakov Avinu. He says his father, why is there a shin on the, on the outside of the Tzvil and Shorosh? Because it represents Yaakov, as it's written in Pasuken Yeshaya, Yisrael, in whom I take glory, Espoer, and Tzvil not called Peer, magnificence, majesty, as it says in Yechezkel, right? Uh, don't put on your pair, don't put on your glory. At the time of the Churban, Hashem threw them down to earth, as it's written in Echa, by Yashlech, the Tilnik, he threw down from heaven to earth to Ferris Yisrael, the glory of Klai Yisrael. Therefore, on Tishbav, we place ashes on the place of the Tilnik. And regarding the times of Mashiach, there it says, Hashem will give them Pe'er in place of ashes. Additionally, a shin we know has three branches, which correspond to the three names, Yaakov, Yisrael, and Yeshurun. Surrounding the shin on the tefillin, uh, we know the 12 stitches, 
which correspond to the twelve to the twelve tribes. And this explains the structure of the Tvilin Sharosh, where we have two straps emerging from the bias, right and left, and they meet in the sec in the middle, by the by the knot, Avram on the one side, Yitzchak's Midas Adin on the other, but of course Chesed is always dominant because the right strap is always a bit longer. Now, when Yaakov Avinu is threatened by Esav, he says, Hatsileni no miyat ochi miyat Esav. Save me from my brother. Save me from, from Esav. Why the double a- expression? So the, the Badit Shvareba says that outwardly, Esav presents as my brother, as if he intends to help me serve Hashem. In reality, however, he is secretly plotting to trap me in his web. Therefore, Yaakov says, I'm afraid of him, since it's exceedingly difficult to guard oneself against this type of Yetzirah. The This farm bring that in the womb, Yaakov Avinu and Esav divided up the worlds. And they divided up the months of the year also. And Elul, it says, that the Bnei Yisachar tells us that the, uh, the uh, Yaakov and Esav divide up the months of the year. Yaakov Avinu took the first three months of the year, Nisan, Iran, Sivan, Right? And Esav took the following three months, Tammuz, Av, and, and Elul. Esav was overjoyed to have the month of Elul in his possession because that would allow him to stop Klaishel from doing, from doing a tshuva. Yaakov grabbed the month of Elul from, from him. And now we can now perhaps based on what we've learned, we can appreciate why Yaakov Avinu had to, right, take away the months for the month from Esav. He didn't want to allow Esav the opportunity to use the month of El as a blockage to us doing tshuva, because Yaakov took El as part of his portion. Yisrael are guaranteed that HaKadosh Baruch was going to fulfill the promise of Yaakov's dream. Behold, Hashem was standing over him. He protects us from the duplicity of the Yetzirah that tries and pretends to be our friend and portrays Averis as mitzvahs. Thus, Yisrael can perform proper tshuva during the month of Elul and make amends for all of their sins and wrongdoings. This is 11.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back with our Hilchah Shabbos uh, slot in a moment. This is Hilchah Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Parshas, Ki Savay, Tav Shin Pei Beis, the penultimate Shabbos of this year as we prepare, not only for an amazing, beautiful Shabbos Kodesh, but just 10 days away is Rosh Hashanah. And of course, we're going to start Slichas this week, either Maitzah Shabbos or Sunday morning, wherever your shul might be, unless, of course, you're 
uh, one of these Fadim, in which case you've been saying Slichos already for three weeks, so it's nothing new this week. You've been getting up at very early hours to, to serve HaKadosh Baruch and prepare yourself for this very special day for a very, very long, long time. So it's a lot going on, a lot busy. This week is an Arab Yantif week with this lots going on, basically. It's virtually a three-day Yantif. Yeah, we have Shabbos and then uh, Sunday is Erev Yantif and then two days Rosh Hashanah. So Baruch Hashem, people are busy with the physical preparation. People are busy with the spiritual preparations. But as we always do at this point, let's give you the important information you need for this coming Shabbos, this afternoon, the latest, uh, let's start with the earliest, the earliest time for lighting Shabbos Licht tonight is going to be at 4.47. 4.47 is when you can put on those candles and get Shabbos. We're ready, the second to last Shabbos of the year. We should have it down pat by now of how to organize Shabbos, and we should therefore be able to have Shabbos ready at the earliest possible moment, 447. Light your candles and allow the beautiful, beautiful atmosphere of Shabbos to permeate and enter into your home and envelop you with its warmth, with its beauty, with its serenity, with its Kedusha. If you're not able to get it ready that early, well, then you need to know that the early, that the, I keep doing this, the latest time for lighting Shabbos Licht this evening is going to be at 5.43. 5.43 is the latest time for benching, benching Licht. So you got to make sure everything is ready in the house, is ready and the food is, is heated and you've made whatever plans for whatever a load shedding arrangement you have in your locale, whether the, the, the load shedding is before Shabbos starts or after Shabbos starts, and your question is, my, your pressure is, how are you going to heat up the food? How are you going to keep the food hot? And are you going to eat in the dark? All these very, very important and, and, and relevant questions that we're dealing with on a daily basis, certainly this week in, in, in South Africa. And, but it's all the question of attitude. If we see that this, this is what Hashem wants from us, this is the Ratzon, of our we put a smile on it. We we go into it with a situation of of good cheer, of, of of us being in a good mood and not letting it get us down and not letting it in any way stare or bother or disturb the beautiful, peaceful, happy atmosphere of of a Shabbos of a Shabbos Kodesh. Shia then is at one minute past six. So as and that's your literally your injury time. If if uh, you really really need in a desperate situation to not be finished by 5.43. So 6.01 is your absolute latest, latest time. Therefore, if you want to daven myrev when it's properly night and not have to repeat the Shema again, so all you have to do is wait till about 6.19, 6.20, and you are good to go and, and can daven, and then you have the whole beautiful evening in front of you to sit with your friends and family and enjoy Enjoy the beautiful food, enjoy the beautiful atmosphere, some nice mirrors, some some good divraitera, and and we're we're good to go. It's 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 a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos that that is is coming up. Tomorrow afternoon, of course, tomorrow morning the Pasha is Pasha's Kisavai, and the Haftira that goes along with that Shabbos, the number six of the seven special Haftira. Haftaris of comfort, kumi oiri kiva oirech, beautiful, beautiful, uplifting 
Haftarah, of hope, of expectation, of promises, of the beauty of what's coming in, in, our, in, our, in our lives. And Shabbos then carries on beautifully. Uh, the Parakim, the Pirkei tomorrow in the second to last Shabbos of the year is Perik Gimel and Perik Dalet of, of Pirkei So spend some time, maybe look at them, get some insight, get a nice little idea that you can take with you through the week, the last week of the year as we prepare ourselves for, for Rosh Hashanah. And Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 6.33, 70, uh, 27 minutes before 7 o'clock. And of course, if your your shul is saying slichas tomorrow night at midnight, then go have yourself a nice stiff cup of coffee so you can stay up a bit later than normal. If you're meeting in the morning for slichas, well then make sure you get to bed early enough so you can get up early for 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 the for the for the slichas and get ready for this for this week. We are talking about the general principles and introduction to the malachas of, of, of Shabbos. So we know we, we already mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the Torah forbids us to do on Shabbos any malacha in the way that was that was normally done, as you said, in, in the Mishkan, if we do something that is the same as the way it was done in the Mishkan, then we are violating an of malacha, a, a basic category or a subcategory if it's a told, if it's not exactly the, 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 the same. And in the same way that the the, the craftsmen, the, the artisans used to do uh, uh, the work and, and construct and put together all the incredibly intricate Vessels and, and, and construction of, of the Mishkan, as, as in fact it says in the Apostle, they used to think and plan and design the work that they had to do and then, and then carry, carry it out. But if one doesn't do something exactly the way it was done in the Mishkan, let's say you do it in, in a strange kind of way, in a, in a backhanded kind of way, in a way that's an unusual Way in a different way than that activity standardly would be done. So then it's not exactly the way it was done in the Mishkan, and therefore you're not violating the Torah prohibition in, in doing it. And therefore, the, the, the punishment that one is liable is, is, is not going to be the same. You're not really liable for the, for the punishment that the Torah has, has fixed for someone who, who breaks he breaks Shabbos, and therefore you might have thought that, well, okay, so I got a plan. All I have to do is I can do anything that I want on Shabbos, right? all the activities I need to do, even things that uh, would would uh, generally be considered as forbidden on Shabbos because they are the activities that were done in the Mishkan, but all I'll do is I'll do it in a different way, in an unusual uh, a kind of kind of way, and and there's no problem. It'll be completely permitted. But the Achachamim put up a fence around the Torah, and they said no, it's forbidden to do any kind of activity forbidden by the Torah, even if one does it in an unusual in an unusual way. Just for, for an example, uh, we know that if you carry something from a private domain, let's say from your house, into a public street, 
right, which is the normal way to carry it, say in, in your hand or in your pocket. So you violate the Torah prohibition of carrying, of transferring from a private domain to a public. But let's say I did it in an unusual way. Let's say I carry something with my foot or I put it in my mouth or, or in my elbow or in my ear or something, you know, I don't tie it to my hair or something like that. So then I haven't done it in the normal way. Therefore, I cannot be said to have violated a, a total prohibition, but nevertheless, I have violated a prohibition of, of the, of the hafamim. Right? Let's say uh, it's normally you, you're right-handed and, and you write with your, with your right, right hand. So that would be, if you write, Torah says, if you write even two letters, so then you are violating the, the, uh, the Torah prohibition. Right? Uh, but let's say you write with your left hand, which is unusual, then you'd be violating the, the rabbinic. Israel doing any activity Torah forbids, even if you do it in an unusual, in an unusual way. Right? If you uh, cut your nails with a clipper or, or, or a scissors, so that's, that's an Israel Torah, that's glazes, that's under the category of, of shearing, and uh, it, is, uh, it, is, it, is, it is forbidden. But let's say you use your fingers your hand, to, to grip them off, or you do with your with your teeth, again, since that's not the way the, the, the Moloch is prescribed to be done. So again, you're violating an Issa of the, of the, uh, of, of, of the Chachamim. So uh, let's say, or, or let's say another example, if two people uh, get combined together to do a, a kind of activity that each one of them could have done by himself, let's say uh, you, they both hold a pen together and, and, and they're right. So again, they didn't violate the Issa Torah because the Torah says that one person has to do an, 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 an Avera. But, uh, uh, and then you're guilty. But it's, once you have two people doing it, you're not violating the Issa Torah, but you are violating the Chacham Issa. We're going to come back with some closing comments in a moment. This is 11.9 FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.1 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on the radio, Erev Shabbos Kedish, Parshas Ki Savai, the second to the last Shabbos of this beautiful year, Tav Shin Beis, which we were zeiche to have lived through and Baruch Hashem grown through, and in many ways, been, been, been a year of tremendous accomplishment, tremendous challenge, but Baruch Hashem, we are here getting ready for another Rosh Hashanah, uh, just in, in 10 days away, and a real thank you for all of you for joining us. We're talking about different categories of work that may not be forbidden by the Torah, but Achachamim have forbidden. And we started talking before the break about if you have two people that do an activity that really one of them could have done by himself. Let's say two people uh, uh, pick up a, a, a pen together and write something, or two people carry a, quite a light object uh, 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 to get together. So then that's, uh, they would not be violating Torah Malacha because, in effect, each person has done only part of the Malacha. But let's say they do something that one person could not have done by himself. 
let's say they were carrying a heavy piece of furniture from uh, inside a house out onto the streets, carrying from a Rishus Yochit to Rishus Rabin. So in that case, they would both be violating a Torah prohibition because since neither one of them could have done the activity by by him by himself, right? No one could have carried that piece of furniture to the street by by himself. So therefore, the the each one of them uh, 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 is is violating the the Torah the Torah pro- prohibition. If one of them could have uh, carried it and his friend wouldn't have been able to, one of them is a weightlifter and could have carried it, and the other one. Uh, couldn't have so then the one that could carry it he alone is going to violate the Torah the Torah prohibition because the one that couldn't do it by himself is only helping helping uh, out and therefore he will only violate a prohibition of the of the of the Chacham now what's the practical difference if I'm violating a Torah prohibition or a rabbinic uh, prohibition so the difference is that Anytime we have a doubtful situation involving a Torah prohibition, so one always has to be strict. When we have a doubt involving a rabbinic prohibition, so then we are allowed to be lenient. And and in situations where we really, really need to, let's say there's a doubt if a certain action is going to be forbidden or permitted, so then we say, well, since you have a doubt, do it in an unusual way, in a, in a particularly uh, way that's not, not, not usual done, because by doing it in, in an unusual way, you're creating a, a situation that is a, a doubt in a rabbinic manner, and therefore we have the right to be, to be lenient uh, 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 about it. And as you know, as regarding these type of things, and what happens if it's a mitzvah or or a desperate situation, these are things that we're still going to address in in the future. But the clock says that that really is the end of our time together, and just enough time to thank you all for really joining us, making this program possible. If it wasn't for you listening, then there wouldn't be a program. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for the opportunity to share the time with you, and wish all of our radio family. Men, women, children, all of you together, a beautiful, warm, and inspiring good chance.